I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. What's up, AfterBuzzers, and welcome to the final two episodes for Barkskins. We're going to talk about episodes seven and eight, and discuss our final thoughts on where this series ends, or does it? Also, we have a special history segment towards the end, so make sure to stick around for that. But before we get into all of that goodness, let's introduce ourselves. My name is Carrie Lane. I'm joined by my awesome co-host. Hey, everyone. I am Rachel Goodman. I'm really excited to be back and talk about the last two episodes of Barkskins. Uh, We had some very uh, heated moments. (laughs) Yes, I was uh, just about to ask, what were your final thoughts on these last episodes and the fact that as of right now these are the final episodes yeah there's no when I was looking there's no official season two announced and they ended on not just a cliffhanger an insane cliffhanger like like multiple like pretty much every character we have no idea what's going on at this point (laughs) yeah I was like well so is this an incentive to go read the book because it definitely ends like uh and it's it makes so, you want more, but um, it's weird. The book is very different. Okay, yeah, you're all, you've it's already so mentioned some of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just different. I mean, there are, there are similarities, but um, I know, like, everything I've been reading, it was a very, it was a choice to kind of, you know, uh, you know, when we had mm. the showrunner on, for example, he had stated yeah. that it was a choice to kind of drift away, and yeah, like, I don't, there's nothing in the book that really answers this because there's so much that's different. Ah, and actually, thanks for um, saying that and reminding viewers, go check that out if you haven't watched that episode. And also stay to the end of this episode because we have some press junket footage from the Bark Skins press junket. So stay tuned for that at the end of this video. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy where it ended. It's weird that that's the end uh, because yeah, so many characters were like, okay. Um, but let's get into episode seven, Bees in a Bottle. Uh, so we have Cook and Delphine, which I was, I'm torn because even though he's done some horrible things, I kind of was happy for them as a couple because they seemed relatively matched. And also she was given the opportunity to turn him down if she didn't want, you know, if she wasn't into it. But she kind of was like, all right, he's not that bad of a person that she knows of. So here's my thing with Cook and Delphine. I was also happy to see them together. I was, I thought it was very sweet that we saw them take each other's hands. Mm-hmm. Um, right as, like, I don't want to just talk about this now, but I'll mention it. Right as the shooting started, mm-hmm. I thought it was very, it was very poetic that the man who was ultimately responsible for this um, would be in a place where he knew exactly what was happening and he knew that most likely he was going to die. Um, yes. Probably Delphine will die too and that everything would be over for him because they would not spare him um, given the circumstances. Yeah. Um, but just kind of like, you know, going off of that, um, with with Cook, he has done some terrible things, mm-hmm. but at least he has a conscience and he feels regret for some of the things that he's done. And he even says in that moment with Delphine, this is all for all of my wrongdoings. Yeah, their final moments in episode eight. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, Which is cute or cute. It's interesting to know that's where they end up. And the beginning of seven is where there's kind of some potential for their romance, which is cute. 
And it's kind uh, of a date. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a little bit, yes. Uh, we also have, you know, we get that revealed, the guns, the barrel of guns. And of course, Suke sees him and knows the secret, which I'm like, yeah, that's a little suspicious. Uh, what did you think of him? Like, yeah, let me store the barrels at Matilde's place at the inn and like, let's make a deal. And I, I mean, we've had quite a few deals of relationships in this show. I, I, let me know your thoughts on how, you know, fair they are. Cause at least in this, you know, Delphine probably doesn't have a lot of great options. And as Matilde said, like with Cook and Delphine, it would raise both their statuses to be together. And then later we have the relationship bargaining deal with Marie and Trepanier and so. So what yeah. do you think of these marriage arrangement deals and like Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. How good are they? So with Matilde, I I knew that she wasn't going to betray Cook. Um, I knew that she would hold up her end of the bargain. So far, she's given us no reason to question her integrity. So I believed, I thought that that it was going to be fair, even if Matilde did have some grievances against Cook. Mm -hmm. I knew it would be a bad idea to have these pistols out in a place where anyone could really go in. And here's where we were starting to see the true side of Duque, even before we saw what he did, just the way that he was acting. Um, and I know he's been called a rat in the past. I feel like now we're starting to see that term actually like, like really like the deeper meaning and like, we're really starting to see what kind of a man Duque is. He's a rat in terms of jump ship for survival. Yeah, and not even survival. Like he, I feel like, I mean, we're going to talk about it, but I feel like he, we've seen him do something now that shows that it isn't just survival. It's above and beyond him knowing, oh, well, I actually want to get ahead. Mm -hmm. Oh, true. Not just survive, but thrive. Yes. Yeah. Uh, We have the, uh, when they go to the end, also another relationship, we have the chart, um, Bouchard and Mathilde I I thought they were actually kind of a cute couple too and I like that he wasn't so pushy about it like hey do you want to just take a stroll and that's also sad knowing where that ends up though I think his death was kind of dumb (laughs) to be honest what do you think of that arc I'm still hoping somehow he's alive I mean I highly doubt it I highly doubt it I highly doubt it, but I really hope that somehow he is. I mean, we got another surprise at the end. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm really hoping that that's, you know, it, it isn't as it seems. But, yeah, I was enjoying watching their relationship. And it was nice because this whole season we've had, it's been very dark cinematically. And I feel like even though we let this, all of these events led up to some of the most, some of the darkest moments, that we had a lot of light in terms of seeing mm-hmm. people um, in episode seven, being able to kind of date and just hang out and be with each other. And uh, Matilda and Bouchard, they were one of my favorite couples because there was mm-hmm. no, 
there was no promise of, oh, we're going to get married. It was just the promise of we're going to hang out and see and just be around each other. Yeah, they had a good sense of companionship and, you know, definitely uh, appreciating someone's cooking and skills is always a good thing. And she kind of was like, okay, you know, she'll take the little bit, she'll take the compliment. And he apologizes of like, oh, I'm sorry that to be forward. So I like that he is very respectful in that way. Though I do, I, I thought it was pretty funny, his super kind of awkwardness with Renaudette outside. And he's like, hi. And I'm like, oh, dude, just, just, just leave. You're fine. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of Renaudette, um, what did you think of her being such like a little bodyguard for Mathilde? Oh, absolutely. And the thing is that it, she is so fierce um, for someone who's so young. She is, I, I mean, obviously she's been through so much that even though there is this fear that she does need to survive, she's also very defensive and she will strike if she feels that she needs to do so, no matter what yes. it could result in. Um, also, I know this also, this is more episode eight, but the bunny. Mm -hmm. I was, I was like the chard. Yeah, yeah. And then the Bouchard's like, oh, well, that could be dinner. And he was obviously joking, but the joke, cool. she yeah. was like, oh, no, I will cut you. Like, she didn't say it, but. <laughs> yeah, no, she was like, do not mess with my pet. Yeah, no, that yeah. was definitely like, mm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of other characters that betrayal in a different sense of knowing their true intentions, we have Cross, Hamish, and Yvonne. And they get the, we finally get the full, like, what is the plan of getting the guns to deliver them to Bill Selby, who is our gay Bill, which I'm like, oh, okay, because we didn't quite know how he fit into it. So I thought that was interesting. And yes, arm the Iroquois, Iroquois, and I haven't told you everything. And then that girl slit a man's throat. So are we to think then once things started going, out of control she you know did something or you know was she already like this before that happened I they didn't give us any reason to speculate this but mm -hmm. I am wondering if she this young woman also she was already having a crappy time at home I mm -hmm. almost think that this wasn't how she's acting wasn't due to just what we know gay bill and mm. cross and the iroquois orchestrated but rather she grew up in a very hostile environment anyway and so when disaster struck she already had these survival skills because of dealing mm. with maybe you know an abusive male in the house or an abusive female for that matter just somebody who sure. was just being very you know just treating her horribly i think that it's more than just what happened um with the I burning settlement yeah, I kind of like that almost better because then it's less of a response to that one trauma. Not that that's better, but it makes her a little more interesting because then I'm like, ooh, and this is like total fantasy idea, but I'm like, it'd be really cool if she could actually get groomed and trained to be like a bounty hunter mercenary kind of person because I'm like, dude, she's awesome. already ready for it. She's skilled. She just needs a little bit of guidance. And yeah, right? It would be, it would be fun. You know, you know, that's a different spinoff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She could be the first knight. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, 
Let us know your thoughts. Comment down below. I know some of our theories get bit out there, but that's the fun thing of talking about shows like this is like, well, what, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, this uh, is already this is already an, a fictional account of the real yeah. events that happened. So you might as well. like, <laughs> Right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we have the, oh, yes. The, oh, Cross is telling Hamish, you know, that she got carried up in the madness. Now, when you said he had the barrels in the river, did you think like it went downriver or it's like somewhere that they could go get it because it's just heavy? And I, I didn't feel it was a specific enough spot that I'm like, dude, they're going to spend so much time looking for it. Is it really like right there, there? I didn't think they were there at all. I thought that okay. he was either lying or misinformed. Mm, and that, okay. and that Cook that. knew the right, the pistols were actually mm. cooked the whole time and that he had done some of it, like more, you know, even more trickery than- yeah. I could felt like Cook was just betraying everyone. I can go with that for sure. Uh, the de- the for their council and everything. Let's call upon some sh- soldiers. Man, that was not. I felt this plan was a bad plan from the start. I mean, it doesn't go absolutely horrible, but it doesn't go well. And they're like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, let's bring Cook along." And the nuns, sure. Well, the nuns volunteer. That's true. They were they're the ones who said who want to go. Uh, were you worried when they they said yes? Let's all go together. I thought that well, first when they before they mentioned the nuns, before the nuns volunteered, that is when they said, "Oh yeah, Cook, like he's going to be the one to do it. He's an Englishman." I thought Cook was dead. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of figured that Cook was either going to try to flee or mm-hmm. you know bring Duque, which is what he did do. The nuns volunteering, I thought they were going to be the first people to die. Right? Oh, man, like, when they get to that part later, when that all comes together, we'll get to that in a second. Um, I was just like, oh, no, please don't have the same, like, it's fine, we'll just, like, pray about it. Be like, we've just seen that does not work. Can that I say- props to you and being strong in your faith, but, ugh. yes, go ahead. No, and this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit to the end of this episode, but mm. one thing that really, do you mind if I talk about it now, just because we're talking about the yeah. nuns? One thing that really, really bothered me is that we it felt very unfinished with um, the Iroquois standing behind the nuns at the end, and then you don't know whether they were going to do anything or not, and you were waiting right. for that, that toss the coin, and what bothered me is when we go from seven to eight, you just, you're told, oh, P.S., they're fine. That was, to me, that was not, I mean, I have loved almost everything we've seen in Barkskins. Bark mm-hmm. I felt like that was a missed opportunity. I really it was wish very we it. odd to end that. And I almost thought we jumped a season, you mm-hmm. know, because it was almost yeah. like snow later. And so I was really confused of what, ooh. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised that happens with shows. They'll be like, by the way, three months have passed. It's been crazy time. But it was like, no, it's just a little bit later. We're just not going to explain what happened. Yeah, okay. Well, actually, sure. We'll get to that part. Well, right before that, in their journey, I do like that Sabrine is telling Cook um, and Duque, or telling, I mean, both of them, you know, I don't think God's out to punish you. It's like, well, I don't know about that. (laughs) Uh, And so I, I like that we get the Hamish Bill and Yvonne, that kind of all interwoven with the nuns and Cook and Duque. That was a cool, the two orbits finally intersecting with each other. And I almost yeah. thought that that would stop things, be like, oh, we know them. It's like, nope, that's fine. They're fine killing them. 
what what I didn't realize is how much Gomes really was on the side of the English. I mean, obviously he's English. mm -hmm. He's for, you know, the Hudson Bay company. I knew all of this going into the show, but I still didn't expect that he would align with the Iroquois the way that he did. I was expecting him to be one of the people who, like he felt more like a detective to me, a detective from the 1690s who shows up and he just wants to find out what happened at the settlement so that Mm -hmm. he can, you know, call it like, you know, bring the truth out. And the thing is he found the answers and then he aligned with the Iroquois or seemed to align with them for this episode. And I was, I did not realize how much he actually did seem to support the Hudson Bay company. I was really hoping he was going to be some kind of double agent or something and just was waiting for something to happen. I appreciated how Avon recognizes, like, no, this is not for me. At first, they're kind of, he, at first, Avon's like, this is a company, this is what we're going to have to do. And then Avon's like, you know, not so much. But Gomes definitely falls down that rabbit hole of being like gone and just being okay with all the violence and destruction until we get that scene where, you know, cool, let's burn down this whole little small settlement, but don't, don't kill the young lady. And that's where he draws the line. I'm like, okay, I, yeah. I think you've already gone too far, buddy. Or you need a major backpedal or pivot. Like, uh, okay. I agree weird. with you. It was weird to me. I, I actually, here are my overall thoughts on seven. I love how it ended, mm-hmm. but the way that they picked up on eight felt jarring. And mm-hmm. like, like you, I almost expected that um, Gomes would be more of a double agent. But then when we get to eight, it's like, eh. This is mm-hmm. not not going how I guessed it would go. Yeah. Well, because the other big thing we didn't get to just yet with um, with Gomes is one with Cross is talking about like facing your sins and everything and how they're warned, get out now. And he's not a different man anymore, Cross. And then that Gomes kills them. And I was like, oh, okay. I, that one I almost can buy because he's not the same person and he's ready to just die anyways. I mean, that's still a bit much to jump to the murder, but, like, okay. And I feel that was the major, like, cross-the-line moment for him, for Gomes. And I felt like, yeah, I agree with you. I do think that's where um, Gomes crossed over, especially that moment. It almost made him look like, I almost felt like we were watching a sci-fi and that moment. Oh, when right he did after- the silent yell, I was like, is yeah. this a horror movie? Did this switch? I kind of liked it that I was like, oh, is this more of the supernatural? And then it's like, oh, no, it's not. That, that's what I thought too, that we were going to get something that yeah. was like, yeah, that was hinted from the beginning of there being something supernatural. I'm like, yeah. oh, is it Gomes? Like, and there's a, there's like a moon behind him. What's going on? Like, but mm-hmm. what, what I figured was happening is that Gomes, who was against the Iroquois and what they were doing, and against mm-hmm. everything he was hearing and was more siding with the French and Wobick, what I figured Gomes was doing was he was killing Cross for his involvement in what he had done. Mm. That's what I that thought That makes was sense happening. too. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, nope, he's okay with everything um, and the plan. Because then we also get the conversation with Bill of like what the Fulch plan is when they talk to the chief and find out everything. And then it's like, that's when I wrote down, I'm like, double agent? He's gone dark? What's happened? Like, he's gone to the dark side. Uh, and then, yeah, they make the deal with um, Cook. And that just felt also like, is there more here that 
we haven't okay but anyway um anything else with that group before we touch on a little bit more with melisande and trepanier and marie no i have a lot to say about them though right all right <laughs> yeah. in this episode the big bits um melisande trepanier first like you know melisande wants to stay in town and everything uh and then it's marie has while they're doing that marie tries to go back to the wind debt but they're like, uh, not so much. You, you chose to leave. I do like that they take her son in and they're like, you go try to figure that out because then she doesn't have to worry about her son, which I'm like, all right, that's good. Um, go ahead. Yeah. What I found interesting is that um, she was told she should go back. The clan the mother told her, go back to Trepigny and mm-hmm. make it work there. You need to find your place with him. Yeah. She realized, Marie realized, oh, you know, he was right. Uh, Trepanier was right. I really don't have a place outside mm-hmm. of the domo anymore. Well, also they point out how the English and the Iroquois are working together, which I think she didn't quite know about. Like that's a moment where they're kind of talking um, about that. And I feel she gets caught up on all that that's going on. Um, I don't think they, I think that was when they realized it too. Oh yeah. No, they're yeah, kind of like yeah. the pieces are clicking that has the oh melisande man i i was kind of okay with her being strong-willed i guess um though this is she's definitely a brat like i am a lady you go make the fire and you make the foot food i'm okay with her telling him to go make the fire sure i'm like you're not gonna cook at all like not saying a lady has to but it just felt weird of was she expecting him to cook for her all the time I didn't like that she was basically expecting him to be the servant to her. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, when to me, a marriage should be like, this is the wilderness. A marriage should be, hey, let's do this together. Yeah, like, Mm -hmm. and even if she she can't cook, fine. But then she should do something, be productive while he's doing something, help each other. That's a marriage. And I was surprised that Trepanier, like... In this, these last two episodes, I feel like we really saw who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. And I just kept thinking, oh, like I never would have expected him to be this good of a person that one, he would put up with someone treating him that way in episode seven saying, oh, do this, right? do that. Yes, dear, I will. And like, he was just being very kind to her and very, yeah, like just very sweet about it. I, I just felt she was being so ratty and childish about it but then she's like oh don't abandon me I'm like okay maybe you should be a little more independent like that's the thing too like she's she demands so much but has no sense of independence so then it's just kind of weird of like can you not make your own like what what did you expect this is this is the country this is not Paris where you could have like her behavior expects as if they had like a live-in servant and pretty sure she kicked Marie out to not be a live-in servant almost, you know? So it's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, I understand where all this is coming from that she's really like severely jealous of Marie and yeah. she does have a reason to be jealous of Marie. It's not that she doesn't, but I think that maybe um, the whole thing with Melisande is that she doesn't realize that her behavior is pushing Trepanier away. Um, even in yeah. episode seven with her, like she didn't show him one ounce of affection or like wasn't nope. kind to him at all, wasn't talking to him. Just do this, do that. Okay, goodbye. Yeah. I, 
again, I mean, like, give and take, you know, she's not really giving him anything to give her back. So it's like, uh, okay. And then it was fun. The title, the jar of or bees in a jar, Bouchard talks about putting, I think it's Bouchard who says it of, you know, putting two groups together and there's like two bees, like bees in a bottle fighting the French and the English. Um, Which is historically accurate. Um, yeah. Just like, yeah, I mean, it is, but um, it's just some of their, we'll get to this a little bit more at the end, obviously yeah. in the segment, but some of this is just, um, yeah, like some of it's a little bit not accurately portrayed time-wise, but mm. um, in terms of the French versus English, that's very much been a part of history for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Javi Joe in the chat says, in it for the money, I'm assuming he means Melisande, and yeah, so she, <laughs> but clearly not the money she was thinking because this is not luxury it's like living in a five-star hotel but no employees yeah you gotta take care of everything exactly yeah uh on to episode eight we have the black sun uh again this was a little bit jarring as you were saying the start of eight starts with gomes and he burns his sister's portrait which also i feel is an indicator that he's pretty much cut off ties with who he was and this is kind of that like descent into having a dark heart and he's not the same man anymore and there's that like small kind of village being destroyed and that random that poor man who comes up there and he's like oh okay he seems so okay with what's ever going on and I like that Yvonne points out is this what you wanted and then that's when he goes, oh, okay, I'm done killing innocents. And you're like, <laughs> there was an okay to do that in the beginning? I'm okay. Like, it was weird. Because I, I agree. I like that description you said. of he, he seemed more like a detective at the beginning. Like, kind of away from the, the stupid fighting between the two groups. Like, he just wanted to solve the mystery. And I felt he was going to be more impartial. And now him just jumping in feels like, mm, okay. It was weird. It was very, and like, I get it. Everyone, including Cross, was telling Gomes, oh, you know, especially Cross. He said, you'll be like me. Just wait. Yep. It will destroy your soul. And it has, but I just feel like that jump was very, very abrupt. Um, yep. And I, yeah, I would have liked to have gotten more with Gomes to see how it gets to the point where he doesn't care at first that these villages mm-hmm. and this these settlements are being burned. Like, this could have been more spaced out over time, I think. Like, if he kind of goes, ooh, maybe this is eating at me. Uh, And I'm a little bit bummed because him and Yvonne seem to be such a good pair. And not that one is necessarily responsible for the other, but it feels like them breaking apart, you know, they both were worse for wear for it. Mm -hmm. Like, Yvonne gets beat up, too, which was like, oh, okay. But he, I'm glad that he stands firm. Yvonne stands firm. It's like, no, I'm I'm not going to participate in this anymore. Yeah. And that, yeah, exactly. I I agree with that. I was, I was very scared for Yvonne um, right Mm -hmm. before he ended up leaving. I really thought the chief was not going to let him go. And that would, yeah, their conversation. I like their conversation. He's like, can I trust you? And he goes, you all, or can I trust him? And Yvonne says, well, you can't trust them anymore. They can trust us. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I, kind of, I like their extra interaction there. Um, and then, yes, this is when we learn with Matilda and Bichard. Oh, the nuns have returned fine. It just was such a quick thing. Also, then we jump ahead to the wedding planning, but that also feels like nothing follows through with that. So I was a little bit like, okay. 
um, those those baked good pie meat pie things or maybe fruit pies too it looked really good. They <laughs> I was did. Like, hey, one of those. Yeah. Yeah. They're. I mean, um, yeah. I'm like, let's get into our old fashioned cooking. Uh, we got Trepanier and Melisande when they're talking about their arrangements. And that's when, were you surprised that Melisande is the one that supposedly has the idea for Marie to marry Cell? And was that something in the book? Um, so I'm not surprised that Melisande went in that direction. It's just, um, it's hard because with the book, you have so much more room to discuss certain things. And it's so, Mm -hmm. it's very, usually I can compare the book and what we're seeing, but it's just so different that it's hard Mm -hmm. to actually talk about everything that's going on and compare it. But in terms of Melisande, I did not expect, um, I, I'm not surprised that she did. I was not expecting her to do that though. I was kind of expecting that Renee and Marie would just organically decide they want to be hmm. wanted to be together because of what we were seeing earlier on in the season. Yeah. And now I feel like Marie went from definitely being attracted to him and they definitely were sharing things, like sharing a moment to yeah. at the end with Renee just being more into her than she was into him and Marie being more like, oh no, like I want to, like being being more like, I don't know, just more um, concerned with Trepanier because I really felt like she wasn't over him. I agree. I don't think she's over Trepanier. And when they have their final, um, their final supper sort of together, I think it was interesting because I, I thought there was such a history of chemistry there that I kind of was like, maybe they can have an amicable breakup kind of but that's a little weird and awkward I I do believe him Trepanier when he tells um Renee like I just want her taken care of and I don't want her alone and he's okay with that like he he trusts Renee enough to be a suitable partner for her and I, I I was a little disappointed I know Renee is not the best at his social skills and his talking with women skills because when he's talking to Marie she's like oh oh popped in my cable here um she's like oh no do go on tell me like what did he tell you and I think he could have had potential of yes Trepanier set this up but I've always thought you were attractive I've always thought you were interesting like I've always felt a connection like he could have said any number of those things and sold that match so much better than he did and she's kind of like go ahead I'll wait and he it was not the bestest proposal. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I do think that he was right in telling her the truth. Um, but I think that he definitely did not present it the right way. No. Um, and it did come across more like an arrangement instead of, you know, hey, I have feelings for you. Let's do this. And I know it's a different time. You're going but to still. expect. Yeah, but still. And I feel like Renee as a character he's different than your average, you know, 1690s man. He literally said to Trepanier, I don't want her to feel like I'm forcing this on her. I will talk Mm -hmm. to her about it, which I thought was very, which was very admirable for him to treat it that way. And I also thought the way that Trepanier was speaking with Renee, it Mm -hmm. was another moment where it made me realize that Trepanier really does care deeply about people. Yeah, and the other thing, I guess, too, is we are so used to stories 
where a relationship forms and it's based on an like an arrangement of sorts and then when they find out there's an arrangement they're like oh was it even real so this Mm -hmm. is kind of like the reverse engineering of that of this is arranged but I do feel for you and he just doesn't express that enough so do you think later when she poisons um Trepanier which I'm like all right I I feel you I remember that poison from earlier I thought that was a cool callback uh, I, I think she did intend to kill him. Was like, fine, I wash my hands. Bye. Do you think she was leaving for good? I, after seeing the ending, I almost have a feeling that she knew he wasn't going to die, oh. and that her taking care of this because she had been told by you know she had been mm-hmm. told go go back and take care, find your place at the dome yeah. with Trepanier, and if she killed him with someone like Melisande around there's that risk of oh well Melisande is going even though the wedding is not official yet Melisande mm-hmm. might stay and do something so I have a feeling mm-hmm. that what Marie decided was if she really made it look like Trepanier was dead for a while and mm-hmm. Melisande actually like she she could kind of like figure out if Melisande was leaving Mm-hmm. and give it time and then then she would know okay well like I, I, I if she gave it a little bit of time and then Trepanier woke up Marie mm-hmm. would have a fighting chance if Melisande did decide to leave um and so now I mean I don't maybe maybe this doesn't make sense because Marie already knows that Trepanier ditched her for another to get married so mm-hmm. maybe if he did it once he'd probably do it again um, but I almost wonder if that was Marie's line of thinking that she would try and chase Melisande away and mm. um, try again with Trepanier. Okay. Leave your comments of what you think it was. Do you think Marie killed him and was like, I'm done, peace out? Or was she doing it kind of to teach him a lesson and maybe persuade Melisande to leave in a very direct way? Uh, I think it was... It, it was interesting too with Melton waking up to find him and everything and how she thinks like, oh no, we are in deep trouble now with Cell of like, if the man of the house is gone, what do we do? So I thought that was interesting. And she really had no, I mean, she never really developed any feeling for him, but she really was like, oh, just get the body out of here. And I liked she stole the rings, which was interesting because we have it with Gomes and Bill of like taking a dead man's rings gives you dead man's luck. So I was like, oh. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if that's foreshadowing. Uh, I did really like, though, that Cell takes uh, Trepanier up to the sky table, which I don't know if you had thought about this or I can't remember if we really talked about it, but the way they described it, I'm like, oh, it's like a fire watchtower in the forest. Uh, I, I've been out to one of those once, like in the Sierras, and it's it's just a tower that's up so that you can see everything better. And I'm like, that's a really cool idea. I mean, it probably didn't exist yet at that time. Uh, but it's like brilliant. That totally makes sense. Once you see what he made. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was poetic that he, Mm -hmm. that Renee left him up there after he had died and that he had Mm -hmm. this place that, you know, he had this little like lookout and, uh, even more interesting when he woke up and actually got to experience it. Um, but no, I did, I did appreciate that. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, uh, I was not expecting him to wake up. I thought he, I really thought he was dead. Oh, I thought he was dead, dead too. And so I was a little bit surprised, but it kind of reminded me sometime where there are poisons where you can make someone almost appear completely dead 
and it's kind of like a zombie poison. Yeah. And people even got buried because you thought they were dead. And it's like, mm-hmm. no surprise. Well, good thing Sells didn't bury him. Uh, <laughs> I, I like that he got to wake up up there. I mean, he probably will be a bit weak and, you know, don't be surprised. So we'll see where that goes with him. Also, I wonder how that's really going to affect his mm, religious standpoint in terms of like, I've died and I've come back. My God has brought me back. Or I kind of wonder where, if he'll be affected that way. Like if oh, will feel something. I'm, yeah. I'm sure he will. Oh, Hubby Joe says they were working together to get Millicent to leave. Trepanier and Marie. Oh, interesting. I I didn't really see that, but I like that as another theory. I could see that too. And um, yeah, just to kind of mention with the book, because um, mm-hmm. you had asked me about that earlier. Now's probably a good place to mention a little bit. Um, yeah. It's pretty much Trepanier dies a, like a like pretty quickly, um, mm-hmm. and that's when Renee and Marie actually end up getting married, and they have their. Oh, okay. So that's why it's very hard to compare it because um, to me, like reading the book, it's like, oh, well, Renee and Marie should be together. Oh, but wait a minute. What is this? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do in season two. Well, the last little, yeah, I'm definitely curious to see is. what they'll do. Yeah. And if, uh, so the last little bit, we have Hamish and the one Duquesne takes the guns, but runner that escapes and he gets his money and he leaves we don't know where he goes i hope he went somewhere else in a way like fine wish you good fortune you backstabber person you (laughs) Uh, but i like that hamish kind of comes clean and talks to the chief and is like hey this is really what happened though all things considered i don't know if the chief would trust him at that point in terms of There's so many other things that have happened, but I'm glad the truth came out. I was a bit surprised, but not really, I guess, that Bill shot him. And I was like, oh, dude, he's going to die. Did you think Gomez Gomes was going to die? I didn't think he was going to die. When we got to the scene and Gomes was speaking for Robic and saying, hey, here's what happened. And then just, you Mm -hmm. know, trying to talk, trying to talk to the chief. Um, I knew that Bill was going to do something drastic. I'm not mm-hmm. surprised that Bill shot him. And I expected that at that point, I wasn't sure if the shot was fatal yet. It seemed like it right? was. I was like, um, but then, you know, later on when we see um, that he's being attacked and that they're going to split him into four parts. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't think he was going to survive because I thought the shot was probably fatal enough that he was going to die anyway and that they were going to mm-hmm. just have him, they were going to have him tortured. I, I thought he was kind of a done-for person. Yeah. And then I had my moments. I'm like, wait, Renaudette's around. Maybe this is the only thing that's going to save him now. And lo and behold, she shows up. She kills um, the attacker and smiles. And so yeah, I kind of wonder. Right? The only time she smiles and that's kind of it. And then the, the Iroquois go to Wobick and in the process they bump into Bouchard who I agree maybe he might be alive because it's one of those nobody no proof but I do think it's a little bit dumb that I maybe he didn't feel they could just turn around and leave because I was like why don't they just turn around and leave they haven't Mm -hmm. been spotted yet but mm, okay fine because the messed up thing is they only heard him when he cocked his gun right he could have just like probably could have snuck away probably 
Yeah. Well, let's hold on to our predictions for what we think could happen next. Um, before we do that, let's get into a quick of our special segment in terms of we talked about the real history of what was going on at this time period. Take it away. Sure. So today I'm going to talk about New France um, and just a little bit more history on that. I just want to say, too, that um, from every like, you know, Googling on the Web and searching and, and really digging, there seems to be no real place known as Wobick. Um, so that does seem to be a fictional town created in um, the Provence of Quebec, um, what is now known as the Provence of Quebec. Um, but New France, uh, between the 16th and 18th centuries, French settlers um, arrived in what we now, what was then considered New France, uh, what we now know as the eastern portion of Canada. Um, it, in 1534, Jacques Cartier, um, he began three expeditions there, and they actually all failed. And it was all um, kind of around the area we're dealing with now in the St. Mm. Lawrence River. But yeah, they, they all failed um, because obviously unlike um, the, well, the British um, settlements failed at first too. So that's really not, mm-hmm. <laughs> can't really say otherwise there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but they, Jacques Cartier, his missions failed. Uh, it wasn't mm. until 1604 when French settlers established the colony of Acadia. Um, on land also surrounding the Gulf of St. Lawrence and it was I know we talked about him before on another episode but four years later it was Samuel Samuel D. Champlain who established the city of Quebec which is as we know uh, right around the area where we've been watching all of these events unfold um, since Quebec is supposed to be kind of near Quebec Um, but yeah uh, so that is kind of the real history uh, behind New France. And I just want to kind of mention that the book of Barkskins is very different. There are a lot of the same characters, um, but for anyone who hasn't read it, um, I would highly recommend it. It's very interesting. You do get more of what you're getting from the show, but it is yeah. slightly different plot lines. And um, it's just, yeah, it's just different. It's very hard to compare it. Well, in a way, that's kind of a good thing because it's not yeah. too repetitive, but it's excellent to know going in of like, it's not a bad thing. All right, cool. Well, thank you very much. Um, let's get into some predictions of where we think this show will go if there's a season two. Um, so I'm wondering where this is going to go in terms of, I do think you're right. Of, I hadn't really thought about it that way. But I do think Pichard could still be alive. Highly unlikely, but not impossible. Uh, I think Duque is smart enough to get out of there. And maybe he's not back in town enough that he could escape. Uh, I don't know how they could defend themselves against the attack. But if they outnumber their attackers, it is possible but probably highly unlikely because it's warriors versus some regular townsfolk and probably very few of them are actually like fighters. Um, but I would like to see Delphine and Cook survive together uh, and Del- uh, Mathilde and um, Bouchard be okay together. We'll see. I want Renardette to go maybe be an apprentice to Gomes of Gomes. Maybe that brings him back to goodness of like, okay, let me train this girl. Uh yeah. All right. Those are some of my crazy predictions. What are yours? I think Renardette's going to heal 
Gomes. I think she's going to be the okay. reason he survives. Um, I'm right there with you with him kind of being like a mentor to her. I think that it's going to be, um, I feel like it's going to be Matilde with Renardette and Gomes who mm-hmm. kind of group together and maybe they don't know 100% of Gomes's involvement. And that's mm-hmm. part of the guilt that he carries with him. And so it's mm-hmm. going to make a lot of tension with that group because they don't really know everything he's been up to, but Duque does. And so I feel like we're still going to see Duque. And when he does come back, uh, he is going to be one of the main antagonistic forces. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he holds over Gomes is what Gomes was involved with. And it's going to look worse than mm-hmm. what it really is because they are not going to know that Gomes actually stepped up to try and help Wobick at the very last yeah. minute. Mm-hmm. I also highly doubt that the that most people will survive the attacks in Wobick. I think that that... that community is done I think that's what we're going to open up with if there is a second season that we're mm-hmm. going to realize oh it's done and now we are uh, moving on to another settlement uh and then we think Trep and Yay. I think they'll survive because they're so far removed from everything yeah. um but I want Melisande to stop being a brat <laughs> Because I do think she's still an okay match for Trep and Yay, but I think she needs to learn to hold more of her own and Marie and Cell seem way better fitted for each other to make each other happy. And I know people off, but they're just better matches so that they have a companion and not necessarily like they have to couple, but you know, they, this is not really a world where you can survive by yourself. I agree. And I really want Marie and Renee to be together. And I mm-hmm. think that like Trebinier said, she was never his and she never mm-hmm. will be his. Yeah. All right. Well, those are our predictions for where this show will go. If it goes on to a season two, let us know your thoughts down below in the comments. And thank you so much for watching uh, and joining us in this discussion of the show. Uh, Rachel, since we're at the end, where can people find you online and what other shows are you working on? I am on the AfterBuzz Snowpiercer panel on Mondays. And you can also catch me on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. panel on Thursday nights, as well as every other every other week, I'm on the Marvel TV News Talk um, panel as well. And you can find me on Twitter at Rach Goodman or on my author Instagram account at Rachel Radner Author. Nice. And you all can find me online at Carrie D. Lane. That's K-A-R-I-D-L-A-N-E. And you can check me out as well on the after Buzz animation channel we're covering demon slayer so historical in a very different kind of way if you're in anime <laughs> it's a really good show uh that's on sundays also just uh earlier this week over on the popcorn talks of the sister station of after Buzz, did an interview talking about a horror movie i was the assistant director on called followed which is at drive-in theaters that you can go see if you have a drive-in theater near you uh, but you can also go watch that interview it's pretty cool we have the cast um, some of the cast, the director, and cinematographer talk with their guy. So cool. Check that out. And again, thank you everybody for joining us. And thank you, Rachel. This is fun and hearing really your fun. historical input too. Nice. All right. Thanks everybody. And we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Sullivan, so excited to talk to you guys about the new show, Barkskins. Uh, now, tell us a little bit, uh, each of you, about your characters. And also, did you actually study the book, um, the Annie Prue book that it was based off of beforehand as well? 
I read the book while we were filming, actually. Um, um, you know, I'd done a lot of research about it, but I knew that Elwood was going to be taking it in a different direction. And I, and I, I um, read enough about it to have a basic understanding of what the, um, what the book was dealing with. Um, but it was actually a really rich, you know, experience to, to, to read it through the early part of the process as we were doing it. Um, you know, it was a really, it was a really um, extraordinary project in terms of the differences from, you know, my life and, you know, I'm, you know, I think for all of us to, to, to go to a completely different continent with a completely different set of seasons and feelings and culture and even language shooting in Quebec um, and, and then go to this uh, extraordinary set that had been constructed, these extraordinary costumes that Anna Terrazas created. Um, you know, it was really a really immersive, um, you know, landscape to, to, to go into. Mm, yeah. We, we explored the first hundred pages in, and, it was, yeah, it was absolutely mind-bending shooting in the, uh, in the actual place where these ancestors walked and where the story actually took place and shooting out in the wilderness and the village being, you know, the exact... I, I, going to, I remember going to the museums and seeing the, the First Nation, like, longhouses and then all of a sudden going to the Wendat village and seeing them fully gutted, fully filled with, like, all of the, um, the furs and the food. It was, it was riveting in that sense. So that was half the research um, and also wearing a corset really gets you you cannot get away from the corsets poor thing i'm telling you (laughs) help me help me (laughs) i know it's the worst when you can't really eat on set as well because if you bend over the chances of like regurgitating your food are likely but it's a good way again to get into character (laughs) after picnic at hanging rock did you think you were going to be in another series and something else that was going to put you in another corset Absolutely not. I mean, that's the one beautiful thing about this job. You can find yourself in the wilderness, you know, in the province of Quebec with a French accent wearing a corset. And you're like, you know what? Life ain't so bad. They make believe, but also exploring a time and civilization that was hectic. It was also really, it's, it's fun. It's really fun. Now, David, tell us a little bit too about your character, Constable Picard, and how he, he kind of fits in all of this as well. Well, I'm the kind of um, uh, jaded, broken, drunken uh, local police force, um, and I, I kind of I'm I, I'm not sure that it's like deep and, and sincere, but he's loyal to the King Louis of France, and he hates the English. So I. Um, so it's kind of representing that tussle that's going on between the Hudson Bay Company and the French and the English. And uh, I have a deep love of brandy. I don't think any, anything really tops, maybe later in the series, but nothing really tops the love of brandy. You're sort of into order and romance and alcohol. Those yeah, are, <laughs> that order. All the best things. You can't... Yeah. You can't. yeah. Sounds like that. <laughs> Yeah. Now, Thomas, you mentioned that you were reading the book in the, the early parts as well. How do you feel that your, your character, Elijah Cook, differs in the series to the book and to what fans of, of the, the novel may be more... Elijah Cook fin- features in, in, in a sum total of one sentence in the book. It says, oh, wow. um, you know, it says uh, something like the fact that uh, Charles Duquet could be one of the Elisha Cooks of the world. And evidently, Elwood thought that was enough fuel to sort of like set his imagination on fire. And he started thinking about what is the, what are the Elisha Cooks of the world? You know, 
who are they? And I think Elisha could have been a very linear character. He's really a, um, you know, a kind of early, you know, entrepreneur uh, figure. I mean, evidently, obviously, there's always been entrepreneurial, you know, people. But um, in this landscape, he's um, he's uh, constantly gambling and constantly um swindling and trying to trying to make himself as wealthy as um possible with absolutely with absolutely no um moral conscience uh which is a really you know great thing to 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 play the shocking thing to 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 think about actually living with but um but to but to represent that's a total joy do you feel it was more helpful for you or a hindrance to have such limited source material for your character prior to to the show? Oh, but, but I had, but I had a, but I had endless source material because I had the, the the material that we were actually working with. I mean, I think Elwood Elwood has taken that and probably conflated other characters that are in there, other people that he experienced, things that he wanted to to say and to and to deal with about that type of individual and. And um, that that archetype, because really in this story you're dealing with very extreme uh, characters. In fact, there's almost very little crossover between their kind of archetypes. People are people are really in in extremes, and I don't think that's just convenience. I think that's actually true to what you'd get in a frontier, um, you know, situation. These people are really um, in a in a position and in a place of huge vulnerability. And um, and uh, it's a very unnatural place to be in, to be in this walled city in the middle of what they as- assumed and considered an endless expanse of wilderness that was hostile, hostile to them. You know, they live in an atmosphere of threat and that, that mm. sort of will, will inevitably end up, um, you know, really demarcating people and what, what they want. Now, Lily, I wanted to ask you as well. I know uh, when you were in Mental, you had done some press and talked about Toni Collette and how she gave you what you said at that time was the best advice that you could have gotten, which is to kind of establish yourself first in Australia before moving over to the States. Now having a character that is literally moving to, to this frontier land, what was it about this character, Delphine, and about this show that wanted that made you want to kind of take that leap and then move into this show for National Geographic. Yeah, I mean, Delphine is a survivor like many many of the other other characters in this land. And I think to really understand what it means to be displaced or to have a yearning to move from your home and start again and entertain what it takes to, to do that to oneself um, was so interesting to me. The way, you know, humans' imagination, they can project onto a never-ending forest and see a civilization that can exist in that, in that, new, in that new, new land, that new country is, I think, very fascinating to me. But I don't know. I think when you, whenever you jump in another world or another time in civilization, it, there's a, a beautiful... A beautiful um, opportunity to reflect of how you know far we've come or not and to really I don't know get into a a headspace of a woman in another time is is extremely frustrating it was extremely frustrating on set and nauseating to entertain this space but it was just so yeah it was it was intoxicating uh, truly period pieces are great I love it 
Well, I know we are all so excited to see this series. Cannot wait. Thank you all so much for taking this time out of your day to speak with us as well. And congratulations on this series too. Cheers. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.